15. Respect all, fear none. Oh, did he felt that one? Intensity is not a perfume. It was a no-doubter. Five, four, three, two, one. We are up in the bird's nest here at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. I'm Brandon Mortensen alongside Matt Bonaparte. It has been an eventful morning yes, here sir. in the warehouse. Had a fire drill this morning as we were trying to get in. Put us a little bit behind schedule. Just none of our technology is working. Uh, we've got a camera not working. We but can't see the, the monitor, but we're here, baby. We are back from Florida. My sunburn has faded a little bit. It's it's good to be back. The baseball weather followed us a little bit. It's yeah. it's a little bit warmer back up here. When I drove up today and I saw everybody standing outside the warehouse, I thought I had missed a memo about the team store opening or something. Yeah. Like, I thought people were lined up around the block to get their Adley jerseys. 90% off. At, that's not true. Yeah, don't no, go to the don't It's go, not 90% don't. off. Um, then I walked up and I saw the flashing lights and uh, it was a fire drill. A drill. A no drill. fire. We're good. Just practice. Thank you for your concern on YouTube, G-Man. Yes. We're good. Um but, uh, yeah, it's been an eventful morning for sure. It certainly has. But we had a fun week down in Sarasota, bringing you as much spring training content as we possibly could. Thank you for following along with us. If you did follow along, we've got plenty more content coming your way as well. And, Bones, Orioles spring training games started on Saturday. And scrolling through the artist formerly known as Twitter.com, there are some takes after just four days of playing baseball. Yep. All of a sudden, the roster is completely constructed. Guys are just not going to make the team or have superstar seasons. We need to talk about some narratives that are floating around here at the beginning of spring training because this is prime overreaction time. It is. Not only are spring training takes usually overreactions, but less than one week into spring training games takes, those are... I mean, just outlandish overreaction. Not a lot of guys have more than 10 plate appearances. That's no. how early we are into spring training. Yeah. And people got takes, and we love it, and we're going to dive right into I it. I mean, guys have about two or three innings under their belt, and we're crowning them as, you know, the next savior of the rotation. Yeah. <clears throat> we're going to go through some of the narratives here today and figure out which ones actually hold any weight. If you should be paying attention to the narratives that are out there right now, or if you need to give it, a little bit more breathing room. Let's start with maybe the player that there was the most excitement about on Orioles Twitter. We didn't help that because we were pushing this narrative last week, but that's Cole Irvin. Yeah. Who has come into the 2024 offseason a different guy. He told us he dropped about 12 pounds, added some velocity to his pitches, has been workshopping the cutter that he brought into his repertoire at the end of last season has overhauled his sinker and is getting a lot more horizontal movement. And in his first spring training outing, Cole Irvin threw the hardest four-seam fastball of his career. Yeah. Looked really, really sharp. The cutter-sinker combo that we had heard about looked great. So we're just going to lay out some blanket statements about these guys, and you're going to tell me if it's an overreaction or not an overreaction. And the first one here, Bones, Cole Irvin will have a huge 2024. I, I think, I mean, it, <laughs> that's a lot of hesitation. To it's start. hard. Huge is a really scary Huge. word. 2024. But I I'm, saw a comment that said Cole Irvin is the new Jordan Montgomery. I mean, that's a little much. We're hearing maybe. things. I, yeah. But I will say 
it's not an overreaction to think he's going to be a lot better than he was last year. <laughs> Ryan Carter on YouTube feeding the narrative saying Cole Irvin, Cy Young year. <laughs> hey, I, like you said, we were on this train probably before everybody. Because we were. we talked to the guy and he said he dropped 12 pounds or whatever he said. Yeah. Uh, he came into this spring training a lot more in shape than he did the last one. He said he was comfortable at o or A's spring training last year, got traded to the O's, uh, and had to do a little bit of catching up because yeah. this team is all about winning, and maybe yeah. the A's aren't. So he showed up. He had to catch up last year. This year he came in ready, and we saw that in the first spring training outing for him. Yeah. I'm going to say it's not an overreaction. I think he will have a really big year for the Orioles. Cole Irvin's my guy. Yeah, as you mentioned, we didn't really expect this from Cole Irvin until we were just kind of talking to him in the clubhouse, and he went, yeah, my sinker's moving like 18 to 20 inches horizontally. Bonkers and statement. We went, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was wild. An insane statement. Yeah, I mean, I think huge is a big word. But I, I don't think it's an overreaction to say that he will have... I'm going to say he's going to have a much improved 2024 yeah. from 2020. I think he's going to be a solid piece of the starting rotation. August 1st on last year, the ERA was in the 240s. So this isn't something that we have never seen Cole Irvin do in an Orioles uniform. And he just spent his first full offseason with Baltimore in the pitching lab, which we know has paid huge dividends for a lot of Orioles pitchers over the last few seasons here. We know what they can do with talented arms. And this isn't a reaction based on the numbers that he's putting up in spring training because, again, we've seen him in one appearance. But he seems like a fundamentally different pitcher. Yeah. If Cole Irvin is touching 95, 96 miles an hour, that's just a flat-out different pitcher Entirely different than we guy. have seen yeah. over the last few years. So this reaction isn't based on what he is literally doing on the mound, you know, striking guys out the ERA or this or that. It's just that his pitches look completely different. And yes. those are going to play on a different level than they have played in years past. And if Cole Irvin is going to start this year in the starting rotation, as we presume with no Kyle Bradish and more than likely no John Means, he's going to get that opportunity. And Cole Irvin said, like, he came into the year a little angry because he felt like he was a starting pitcher and he didn't prove that last year. He didn't pitch well enough to stick in the starting rotation and he wants to be able to do that this year yeah i don't know if he's going to stick in the rotation for the entirety of well that was the question i was going to ask you is if he he's going to get this opportunity likely as you sure. just said if he seizes that opportunity and he goes out and he pitches just about as well as everybody's hyping him up to do so what happens when means and bradish return obviously you're not going to bump out one of those guys right but it's going to be hard to say no to Cole Irvin at that point as a starter if he's having that success. Well, like, I think a large part of it is going to be if Kyle Bradish is back at some point yes. in 2024. We don't know what his timeline looks like. He has said that he feels confident that he will pitch this season. We don't know when. So Cole Irvin will have a good chunk of time here to try to solidify himself in this starting rotation. I think the question becomes when John Means is back in the rotation is it Tyler Wells or Cole Irvin that ends up getting the bump back to the bullpen? Yeah. So I think you've probably got a month or so audition if you're Cole Irvin and Tyler Wells to try out basically. to say, hey, when John Means is back, I should be the guy that's still in the starting rotation. Or who knows? They could go with a six-man rotation if everybody's pitching well. Nobody's preventing them from doing that, right? Yeah. So we'll see what ends up happening down the line, but just from how the ball was coming out of Cole Irvin's hand... I feel good 
about what he could potentially do in 2024. Not ready to say he's going to have a huge, massive season and be a starter for the entire year, but safe to say I think he's going to be a better pitcher in an Orioles uniform than he was a season ago. I, I don't think that's a hot take. No, I, think, I don't I think, think so. it's not an overreaction. It's my final answer. Another statement I'm throwing out at you here, Bones. Here we go. Colton Kowser, based off his first five at-bats in spring training, will be the fourth outfielder on this team. That's an overreaction. Based upon the, the at-bats, it's an that, overreaction. That part I added in. Let's just say Colton Kowser will be the fourth outfielder. If I had to choose somebody right now to be the fourth outfielder, I would pick Colton Kowser. Because he can hit incredibly well. He's one of the top prospects in baseball for a reason, and he can play the outfield wherever you need him. That's why. Um, Eston Kerstad can hit really well, too, and we've seen him do that in the majors. He was on a playoff roster uh, last year, so you can't count him out. But I think it is is an overreaction based upon his at-bats. It's not an overreaction based upon the value of him as a player. Yeah, I think that's the correct take. I'm going to say overreaction based on what we have seen so far from him in spring training, not an overreaction based on what I think could and probably should happen to start opening day. Yeah. Because Colton Kowser has looked more comfortable at the plate in his, you know, first few spring training at bats here. But Colton Kowser also had a good spring last year. Let's not forget about that. So no, I'm not gonna say he is filling that role just because he looks great in his first few games, but I think he makes the most sense for this team. He can play all three outfield positions. If Cedric Mullins needs a day off, Colton Kowser is going to be able to play center field. And guys like Heston Kerstad and Kyle Stowers probably not going to give you the same thing. So I think Kowser has a leg up on them there. And if the bat looks just as good as Kerstad and Stowers, especially in spring training, I think Kowser probably wins that job. Yeah. So I, I think Kowser had the inside track already to get that fourth outfielder spot. Not going to say that his first few at-bats have solidified that for me. So I'm going to say overreaction to his start, but yes. not an overreaction to what his role could be. Agreed. I mean, the walk-off homer was cool, but it, it was great. doesn't solidify your spot. No, certainly not. Here's another one for you that okay. I've seen get tossed around a whole bunch. <laughs> Heston Kerstad and Jackson Holiday will and should start the season in AAA Norfolk. I mean, just a major overreaction. Yeah. Yeah. A major overreaction. Major, major. If you didn't expect Jackson Holiday to show up and maybe struggle in a couple at-bats, I mean, you might be out of your mind. I, the guy, yeah, yeah he, he was fantastic last year and did some historic things as a 19-year-old traversing an entire minor league system. But at the same time, you're making the jump to MLB pitching, and that's a huge jump for anybody. I don't yeah. really care who you are. So um, just because he hasn't gotten a hit in every single one but of his But he started 0 for so 4. Yeah, I don't care. Um, <laughs> he, he's going to be fine. And not not to say he should start in the majors. Maybe starting in AAA wouldn't be the worst thing for him, but I, yeah. I just don't think you can cast him off to the minors because he started 0 for 4. Now, but Kirsten, he started 0 for 4. Cursed I feel like you're overlooking the fact. I'm not overlooking that. He started 0 for 4. I put it to rest. It's okay. He'll be fine. For Kerstad, I mean, I, I've seen what he can do. I just feel like that guy coming into this spring training, obviously, nobody's job is a given. And I'm not saying he's going to make the opening day roster, but 
I'm just not sure how much more there is to prove for him, being 25 years old, having proven in the minor leagues and having made it up to the majors that he's a hit machine and that he can do it at any level. Sure, he's got to go out there and play well to, to keep himself in the conversation, but I don't think that the front office is looking at Kerstad saying, we don't know what we have here. I think they know exactly what Heston Kerstad is at this point. He's yeah. 25 years old. He's a really, really good hitter, and he's just not as good as a defender as Colton Kowser. Yeah, this one's a massive overreaction. This one got some audible chuckles from me scrolling through Twitter, just seeing people freak out about Kerstad starting a little bit slow at the plate and Jackson Holiday again, literally going 0 for 4 and then looked good yesterday. Jackson Holiday and Heston Kerstad have two different conversations here, as you mentioned. I think regardless of what Jackson Holiday does in spring training, There is a real case either way if you're the Orioles front office to say, hey, either he is ready for the big league level or he is not. And it doesn't 100% have to do with what he does on the field. Yeah, I think if Jackson Holiday really impresses in spring training numbers-wise, sure, it's building to his case to have him on this opening day roster. But there's a real possibility that Jackson Holiday could light the world on fire in spring training and the front office could still believe that this 20-year-old is not quite ready to be in the big leagues. That would be entirely fair to open up the season. Yes. Now, everything that we have heard from Jackson Holiday and everything that we have seen in person at spring training would indicate that he fits right in in the clubhouse and seems to go about his business like a big leaguer. So maybe that's not the case. But there is a world where he struggles a little bit in spring training And the Orioles still believe that he is probably their best option at second base, he and Jordan Westberg, and that he mentally is ready to go, is, you know, ready to take that huge leap from last year where he's running through every level of the minor leagues to now being an everyday big league player. If the front office believes that he is there, like, physically, mentally, then I think probably regardless of his spring training numbers, you would still like to see him hit well, obviously. Yeah. Not to say that, you know, if he doesn't get a hit in spring training, he's not going to start in Norfolk. But he, if he has a decent to solid spring training and the front office believes he is ready, then he's going to be on the big league roster. I agree with you that it's more about what the front office feels about his readiness. Yeah. Rather than his, his, uh, his statistics. Because you got to think about it, and to your point... You have to think about this roster no longer as one that has the capability of waiting, of bringing guys up just to develop them and whatnot. This is a win-now team right. all of a sudden. And you don't really have the luxury of bringing up a guy who might be ready or could be ready. You have to know at yeah. this point. You're starting second baseman or shortstop or wherever he's going to play, likely second base, is going to be able to produce on day one. And if they don't think that's the case, give them some time in AAA. Yeah. Now, exactly. I don't think that his 0 for 4 performance means he has to go to AAA. But he so went 0 for 4. <laughs> so it is an overreaction to just cast him off right there. Yeah. But I, he's going to be fine. Just if he's not there on opening day, it's not the end of the world. The Kerstad conversation for me is different because there is a spring training competition for that fourth or fifth outfielder spot. Yeah. Brandon Hyde said there is a possibility that they carry five outfielders on this opening day roster. It seems unlikely to us crunching the math, but it is a possibility. The only way that Heston Kerstad doesn't make this team is if he struggles with the bat for the entirety of spring training and somebody like Colton Kowser plays really well. The part of the Heston Kerstad 
conversation that is an overreaction is that he needs to go back to AAA Norfolk. He just no, he doesn't. doesn't. No, he doesn't. He just doesn't. He was great at the end of last season. I don't know how season. much more that could do for him. I don't. Heston Kerstad doesn't have to prove anything to me at AAA Norfolk. Yeah. I mean, maybe you would like to see him improve defensively a little bit, but I think you kind of know what you have I think with you know Kerstad what you've got. as a corner he's outfielder 25. there. This yeah. guy, he's not, like, there isn't a whole lot more developing to do for him. Like, obviously, a prospect and a guy we haven't seen a lot of in the majors, but... This is a guy who's putting a lot of time in the batter's box and working on the craft and developing and whatnot. Yeah. He's not the new draft pick anymore. This guy's ready to go. If Heston Kerstad doesn't make this opening day roster, it's because there's not room for him. Yes, agreed. Not because he is not good enough to be on a big league roster. So both of those things are huge overreactions to me. Another one. The Orioles need to add a bullpen arm. I think it's an overreaction. Just based on the need part of it. Yeah. I Look, there is room on this roster, I think, for somebody who could come in as a bullpen piece and make spot starts here and there. We have thrown out names in the past like Michael Lorenzen, Julio Tehran as possibilities that would fit in that sort of hybrid role. Because right now, with the starters you have, Tyler Wells and Cole Irvin slot into the starting rotation. And then if you need a spot start somewhere else you're probably looking at somebody like Bruce Zimmerman because you don't really want to push the AAA Norfolk guys ahead of where they are right now. So somebody like Lorenzen or Tehran makes a lot of sense in that hybrid sort of role. I don't know if that's 100% a need, so I'm going to go with the slight overreaction, but I do think it makes a lot of sense. You have a bunch of internal options with just bullpen arms. If you need an inning somewhere, you've got Mike Bauman, Crook, or... Vespi, Webb. Yes. Like, there are plenty of options if you need an inning or two. I would say the need is more so if you want to bring somebody in that can be a long man spot starter type. Yeah, I mean, look, would it be nice for the team to have a guy, not necessarily a back-end bullpen guy, but just a middle reliever who you can count on every single time? Yeah. Yes, I mean, it would be awesome. I'm just not sure that need is the correct word for it. Like you said, there's so much talent in the system now, and there's so many arms that they could look at, whether those are the ones you just named in Ort, Crook, and the rest of that bunch, or some of the minor league options in Povich, Seth Johnson, Arm Brewster, or McDermott, who could come up and be that long reliever spot start guy, or even push them down a little bit and, and be middle relief guys too. Right. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it is an overreaction, but I'm probably more leaning on the side of Maybe it wouldn't hurt just because I think back to the ALDS and a lot of those games you lost in the middle because you couldn't stop the bleeding. Sure. Right? Brian Baker and Jacob Webb just could not stop the bleeding. And would things have been different? Maybe. You couldn't really tell. I'm not a, you know, I couldn't tell. But it would be nice to have a guy to go to and and the fans can all take an exhale and be like, okay, I know he's going to get out of this. Or or at least he has a really good shot of getting out of this rather than, "I, I hope so. You know, I think you have enough of those guys right now. I I don't know if you feel 100% confident in everybody. It's a bullpen. Bullpen arms are incredibly volatile year to year. I think right now with guys like Danny Coulomb and Dylan Tate who and Yenier Cano, I think you can put in that category as well, who aren't necessarily going to be closing games with Craig Kimbrell. Sure. I think you're sixth, seventh inning on 
you feel pretty solid about yeah, who you've you got. Yeah, you have a lot of options. I'm just saying that it wouldn't hurt to add. And I'm throwing in not overreacting to CNL Perez having a rough like outing CNL Perez. as well. CNL Perez has been good in back-to-back seasons and yeah. got hit around a little bit in his first spring training outing and all of a sudden the world's on fire. He's going to be fine. Yeah, Bullpen arms tend to be a little bit all over the place and you can have a bad outing here or there. But I don't think it's 100% need a bullpen arm. But I agree. It's if not you were need- adding some options, I like what the Orioles are doing right now with the bullpen. I don't think you need to add a big contract or go out and make a big trade, but go out and make low risk additions. Somebody like Matt Crook, who yeah. huge strikeout numbers has the potential to crack this bullpen in opening day. Somebody like that. I think those sorts of moves make sense. Low risk, high reward. Here's a more of a true or false statement that I'll throw at you here. Bones. Okay. Jorge Mateo will play more games at center field and second base than he will at shortstop in 2024. Um, I think he's going to play a lot of center field. So I think it's true. I think he's going to play a ton of center field because, you know, he told us that he's been playing center field five days a week. That's all a lot of off days season. of the week. They don't ask him to do that if they don't There's play. only two days of the week left. You five That's true. Days of the week you get five, field. then there's two, there's right. seven. There's seven total. Yeah. Um, they don't ask him to do that if they don't plan on using him in center field. So I think that he definitely will play a lot of center field. Um, I'll go out and say, yeah, that's true. Maybe it won't be. Maybe it will be. But um, I think that that is also an avenue for Kerstad to make the team, by the way, is if they say, you know what? Center field, second base? No. <laughs> is if they say, you know what? Mateo can be our outfield replacement guy. He can be our, yeah. our defender. And let's bring up Kerstad. We can give Kowser another year down there because Kerstad's older. And we can bring him up right now. He's a bat that we know can hit. And Mateo can play the outfield. Yeah. I could totally see that happening. Certainly. And, and Brandon Hyde told us that Mateo is that X factor. You know, he, he's got that athleticism that not a lot of guys on the team, or not a lot of guys have it. Not everybody does. And not um, Jorge Mateo. Yes. I mean, that guy is a fantastic athlete, so fast, plays great defense. Yeah. I think there's a good chance we see him a lot in the outfield. Yeah, I'm going to say that one's true as well. I, I would imagine might be like 50-50 where, you know, if he plays 100 games, let's say 25 of them in center, 20 of them in second, 55 yeah. at short. Right. I think it's going to be right around there. Gunnar Henderson and Jackson Holiday, I think, are going to be your primary shortstops this yeah. year. Gunner if Gunner Henderson, takes a day off, it'll probably be Jackson filling in. Yeah, I mean, there is a possibility where Gunnar Henderson plays a lot of third, and Jackson Holiday plays a lot of second, and Jorge Mateo plays a lot of short. But just the way that I'm looking at things shaking out right now, I think it's going to be Gunner mostly at short. I think Holiday's going to fill in there as well. I think we could see Jordan Westberg there a little bit too. I don't think they want to completely just abandon his ability to play shortstop as well. So, you know, if you need a right-handed bat at shortstop... Maybe it's Westbrook instead of Mateo there. So I would imagine that Mateo is getting in the lineup because you want his speed and you want him as a defensive replacement. And I could see a lot of scenarios where, you know, maybe Jorge Mateo even plays a corner outfield spot. If you've got I can see him in left for sure. Anthony Santander in right field and you bring Jorge Mateo in in the eighth as a defensive replacement in right field because Mateo did say he was playing some left as yeah. well. So We could see him at all three outfield positions. We could see him at second base. We know he's going to be a pinch runner in good spots. So I think he's going to be a little bit of everywhere. And we'll see what ends up happening with his 
bat there because one of the things we noted over the last few seasons was that Jorge Mateo was able to find a rhythm at the plate a little bit more because he was getting everyday reps at shortstop and just kind of had the defense behind him and could focus at the plate. So I'm interested to see how he responds to kind of going back to a similar role that he had in San Diego that he struggled in a little bit where he was all over the field. But that's that's what you got to do to stay on the field with a really competitive roster. Versatility is invaluable when it comes to making a baseball roster. Right. And I'm sure Jorge Mateo knows that more than most at this point. Another Mateo question coming at you. Jorge Mateo and Ramon Arias will make the opening day roster. I, I think that's pretty much a lock, to be honest. I, I, I mean, I, you're not going to put those guys in AAA. No. So you'd have to trade them or cut them, and I just don't see that happening at this point. Yeah. So I, I'd be pretty shocked if, if either of those guys weren't on the opening day roster. Urias is as is James McCann, one of the best backups at his position at this oh, point yeah. in baseball. Urias, a gold glove caliber defender and a guy you can hit pretty well. I think that he's absolutely going to make this team. And Mateo, like we've just discussed, has the glove that's going to make it as well. So I'd be pretty surprised if either of those guys weren't there on opening day. Yeah, I mean, we say backup, but look, there's a possibility that if Jackson Holiday Jackson doesn't not there, make yeah. this opening day roster. Urias is playing every day. Westberg at second, Gunner at short, Ramon Arias could still yes. be your opening day third baseman, and and that's not a bad opening day third baseman by any stretch. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still give better you than most. Gold glove defense and a seven hundred plus OPS. You, I'll tell take you what, that. 30, 30 teams will take that. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So I think Ramon Urias absolutely has a spot on this team. Yeah, I'm with you. I think both of those guys will be on the opening day roster. I pose that question under the reaction, overreaction, not an overreaction, because, you know, Kobe Mayo has been playing really, really well here in spring training. I don't think Kobe Mayo pushes Ramon Arias out at this point. Like, Kobe Mayo is playing great baseball, and if he continues to light the world on fire in spring training, then maybe we can have a Kobe Mayo conversation, but right now... He'd have to hit, like, 600. Let's play some more games. <laughs> like, I just don't think Kobe Mayo... He'd have to play... He'd have to have one of the greatest spring trainings in the history of spring training to put himself in that conversation just because yeah. there are too many names ahead of him. Well, Kobe Mayo has said, you know, his goal is to make the opening day roster out of camp. Of I course. love that from Kobe. He, I do. there to compete. He's trying to make this team just like everybody else is. There's a lot of roadblocks. Yeah. I mean, Ramon Arias, again, we're talking about him almost as somebody who's a little bit on the bubble, and that guy won a gold glove and has just been putting in consistent season after consistent season. I don't think he's really on the bubble, but if we're even having those sorts of conversations about the guys that Mayo would have to supplant, that's that's a long way to go. I also think there's definitely a possibility we could see him at some point this year. That's definitely oh, yeah. possible, especially if injuries come around, which they often do. Um, I think we could see him, especially if he's going to be a guy that tries to make his glove a little bit more versatile too and move out to the outfield or something like that. But yeah. I think that he, he's a player that the Orioles, they want him in the majors as much as we do. You know, he, he's a tremendous bat. And yeah. he's probably one of the, if not the best bat in the minor leagues right now. Um, he's fantastic. His numbers are crazy. But like you said, there's too many obstacles for him to make the opening day roster. I mean, it, he would have to put on a, an a obscene performance. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about two more guys that have been excellent in spring training thus far that have started some chatter. And that's Kyle Stowers and Tyler Nevin. Yeah. They have been, again, it's a few games 
lighting the world on fire for a few games. Kyle Stowers has looked excellent in left-on-left opportunities, yes. which is a huge point of growth for Stowers. And Tyler Nevin has just been mashing. Because yeah. this Tyler Nevin does, does this. Yeah. Tyler does Nevin does time. this. So here is my question. Overreaction or not an overreaction? One of Kyle Stowers or Tyler Nevin will make the opening day roster. Oof, that's tough. Yeah. It's tough. I, I don't see Nevin doing it as much as I, I want. I mean, it'd be cool to see. I just don't think he's going to do it. I mean, what, what, what purpose would he serve on the roster? Like, your third option at third? Like, I don't... Like, I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. As good as the bat can be, I mean, I, Ryan O'Hearn would have to go hitless or something for there to be a conversation, and I just don't see it happening. Stowers could happen. That's possible. I mean, I think that, obviously, Kerstad and Kowser are your two main competitors for that outfield spot, but you can't really count out Stowers or McKenna. They're both good defenders. McKenna better than Stowers, but Stowers has a way better bat. Uh, and like you said, we saw it in live ABs and in spring training as well. He can hit lefties now, which is yeah. big for him. Um, and, and he's a good hitter. He's a really good minor league player, too. He just gets swallowed up by all these other names that are surrounding him. I think there's a lot of teams that would like to have Kyle Stowers right now, and the O's shouldn't overlook him, and I don't think they are. So I think there's possibility, but if I had to say one or the other, I'd say that's an overreaction. It's not going to happen. Yeah, I think it's an overreaction. Solely because where? Yeah. Like, Kyle Stowers and Tyler Nevin can have great spring trainings. Okay, where do you want to put them? Yeah. Because, as you mentioned, Tyler Nevin is going to be a first base, maybe third base hybrid, can play a corner outfield as well. Where? Because, you, as you mentioned, you have Colton Kowser, you have Heston Kerstad. I mean, Nevin, if you're looking at him in a corner outfield spot, could really be competing with somebody like Kyle Stowers, who is also having a great spring training and is younger and probably has higher upside right now. He would be your third option at first base behind Ryan Mountcastle and Ryan O'Hearn, and he'd probably be as well your third option at third base behind yeah. Gunnar Henderson and Ramon Arias, and I don't see him getting playing time over either of those two guys. It's great that you have somebody like Tyler Nevin who mashes in a lot of these scenarios, is a great triple-A bat and can you know give you solid at-bats at the big league level, hasn't shown a ton of prowess there. He has shown us, quite frankly, so far that the jump from triple-A to the big leagues is not really something he's been able to figure out all that well because the numbers are off the charts in triple-A Norfolk. And then he gets up to the big leagues and struggles a little bit. Yes. So the Orioles know that. That's kind of the book on Tyler Nevin right now we would have to see an unbelievable spring training to open up that conversation a little bit more. But at worst, he is showing you some great things for a depth piece on this roster because he'd never get through the year with 13 position players. You're going to need yes. guys like Tyler Nevin. I'll tell you what, we're probably going to see him in the majors at some point. I, I uh, would be uh, surprised uh, if yeah. we didn't. If an injury happens, especially to one of the guys at first or third, Tyler Nevin's going to be a name everybody's talking about immediately. Yeah, he's, he's one of the first calls, certainly. And then with Kyle Stowers... I think, as you mentioned, he has a better chance of making this opening day roster than Tyler Nevin. I think there is a possibility that he could work himself into the conversation with Kowser and Kerstad as the leaders in the pack for that fourth outfielder spot. But he doesn't have the same kind of upside as Kowser or Kerstad, presumably. I mean, there's, you know, Kyle Stowers, this is still a second-round pick. 
who showed you some flashes at the big league level before struggling with injuries last year. So this is not somebody that the organization has given up on by any means. We heard Mike Elias say it at the beginning of the offseason, not to forget about Kyle Stowers. So I think he is firmly in that conversation. And so if we're, we're just going Stowers, I would increase the likelihood that he is going to make this opening day roster based on what we've seen so far. But I'm still going to lean overreaction based on what we have seen from him so far. Yeah, I mean, at this point in the decision-making process for the front office, you're looking for reasons to send Kyle Stowers down because he's just that good, and you you don't have one right now. So if yeah. you're Kyle Stowers, you just got to keep playing as well as you possibly can, pretty much flawlessly, because you can't give them a reason to send you down. You have right. to make this decision impossible, uh, and I think he's done that so far because he has put himself thus far in spring training and as we make these uh, takes he's put himself right in the conversation final one for you here bones a non-roster invitee not named jackson holiday will make the opening day roster prime candidates here you're probably looking at are wanda st charles connor norby kobe mayo as your non-roster invitees i'd be pretty surprised if a position player did it yeah. Um, as much as I like Norby and as much as I like Mayo, as we've said too many times, probably there's just not room. Right. Um, a pitcher could do it, though. Like yeah, you said, Wanda and Charles could be there. Wanda and Charles, some of the AAA guys as well. I think You've Chase got McDermott, Brewster, McDermott, and Povich. I think McDermott is an incredibly attractive option for this role because, first of all, he jumped up to AAA last year and handled that transition about as well as you possibly can by lowering his ERA by a full point. Uh, And he won the Jim Palmer Award. He looks really good. I don't know if there's a lot to not like about Chase McDermott. So if you're going to look at anybody to say, all right, we're going to look for the AAA guys to bring up, unless you want to save him to be your fifth starter at some point or fourth starter, you're probably looking at him. But, you know, maybe that is the case. So you look towards Cade Povich, who has great stuff and has yeah. shown some really great flashes. Or Seth Johnson, who probably needs some time in the minors. But Arm Brewster or Charles could also do it. Arm Brewster has a lot to give. Uh, and Wandis and Charles, we've heard, could be Felix Bautista if he can get his control underway. Yeah. If Wandis and Charles can throw a strike, I, I think he is... Yeah, the prime he's not candidate here, Felix Bautista, but I think he's like not as far off as you think. No, Juanis uh, and Charles falls under the same category as somebody like Felix or Yenier Cano, where it's the command is a huge question mark, but you know what the stuff is. Can they do it a third time? Is now the question. In Double A Bowie last year, Juanis and Charles struck out 15 batters per nine innings. Yeah. Then he goes up to Triple A Norfolk, strikes out 12 batters per nine innings. And walks eight and a half. Yeah, see, that's just not going to play. It's not going to play. <laughs> we said the same thing about Felix Bautista, though. Yeah. And they got it under wraps. I think with the AAA Norfolk pitchers making the roster, I would be very surprised if McDermott, Povich, or Armbruster makes this team. If yeah. we're talking September and we're having this conversation, sure, throw Chase McDermott in the bullpen because he's a great arm. Kate Povich, same thing. Yeah, it's great a lot harder arm. to make the argument for opening day. But McDermott, Povich, and Armbruster profile as starters down the line. And I don't think right now, unless you're going to give them starts every fifth day, like if Chase McDermott likes the world on fire and wins the fifth starter job out of camp, great. But I don't think you're going to call any of those guys up on the opening day roster just to make them a bullpen arm. You're not going to abandon their development as a starting pitcher. What is, you're going to keep that rolling in AAA. What a unique position this organization is in. I wonder how many have been in a position like this 
in the history of the game in which you have so many good options. Sure. There are so many. Pitching is at such uh, a, a point right now where there just isn't a lot of good pitching. Wow. I mean, this team has so many options to go to choose from with these minor league arms. Yeah. And you've got Tyler Wells. You can't push out Tyler Wells. You know, it's, it's pretty darn good. Yeah. Well, those are our overreactions and not overreactions here for the first week or so of spring training. Bones, we've got an exciting episode coming up next we do. week. If you are a longtime listener of the show, you would know that once per offseason, we do a big old fantasy draft. And... This year, we've got a new one. Wow. We're throwing out the all-Orioles draft draft. Name pending. Yeah, it's not the best name I've ever not, heard. Not the best name. It, me, Matt Bonaparte, and our old friend Tim our Leonard. Our old friend. Our old friend Tim Leonard. We will be fantasy drafting teams of Orioles draft picks dating back to 1963 when the amateur draft started. We will be selecting players that the Orioles drafted, only their stats with the Orioles will count, and we will see who is able to construct the best team out of Orioles draft picks. It's going to be fun. I think we're going to see a lot of just huge names fly off the board first. We could get into some current players as well, as the Orioles have had a ton of success in the draft over the last few seasons. It's going to be fun. Looking forward to it. There's also some big names that won't be available. I right. mean, there's no Jim Palmer. There's no Brooks Robinson here. Yeah. They weren't drafted. They were not. So it's got to be guys who were drafted by the team. Yeah. And there's going to be no Jake Arrietas. Yeah. No players that and were it, drafted by the Orioles and then were really good for so another So it team. only counts for their performance on the Orioles. On the Orioles. This is going to be this is gonna be something. It's going to be fun. And I have now randomized a draft order. As You're looking you at see, it right now? I, I ran, don't want to look at it. You I randomized got, it. I don't want to look at it. I just, I I'm need not you, looking at it. I'm I need staring you to look at eyes. that thing that says no. list randomizer. No. I've randomized it. Okay. I, He's I randomized didn't, it. I didn't rig it. Uh, you saying I didn't rig it means you're definitely in first. Here's the draft order, oh Bones. Oh, my gosh. Drafting first, selecting first will be me. Yeah, there you go. The first overall pick. Brutal. Selecting second. Please give me the third pick. Poor Tim Leonard. Let's go. Tim That's has drafted second. That is huge. In, I think the last two drafts we have done, I'm sorry, Tim. I really that is am. just massive. You're selecting second, which means Matt Bonaparte. It is a snake draft, right? It is a snake oh, draft. thank the Lord. We'll be selecting third. That's huge. I'm pretty sure you have far and away the best pick. Yeah, I think so. I don't know why you were clapping. Yeah, I, I mean, well, I was clapping because I got the third pick. Right. Well, actually, I, I don't know why you were complaining that I got the first yeah, pick. Yeah, my, my brain, you know, it reminded me. That I think mine's the worst. Best. I no, think there are four. the worst. It is, actually. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but next week, make sure you tune in. It's going to be a fun episode with our old friend, Tim. We're going to be fantasy drafting the all-Orioles draft draft. Name still pending. I'm pumped. It's going to be great. I'm Thank so you so excited. much for following along with us live on YouTube and Facebook. We're live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Or you can catch us after the fact on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts or digital shows. You can find us here on the Bird's Nest Big thank you to Amy Jennings behind the scenes for producing this one, even through all of our technical difficulties. For Matt Bonaparte, I am Brendan Mortensen, and we'll catch you next time.